I've been put in situations over the last several years where I was like, oh my gosh, where do I even start? Where do I even go? But it's in learning those situations and overcoming a lot of those challenges that this quote resonates with me so much because I always think like life begins at the end of your comfort zone. Welcome to Playmakers. I'm your host, Paul Epstein, 15-year NFL and NBA business exec and best-selling author of The Power of Playing Offense. In my journey, I have discovered that there are two types of people in this world. The difference between elite performers and the rest of the pack, or what I like to call those that play offense versus those that play defense. Defense always on their heels, offense on our toes. Defense playing not to lose, offense playing to win. Defense, the market dictates the terms. Offense, we operate on our terms. Playing with purpose, playing with passion, and taking control of our future. So now, the question is, how do you want to play? And here on the Playmakers Podcast, we play offense 10 out of 10 times. As we ramp up toward today's episode, pull out your notepad so you can capture all the action so we can make plays and level up together. Playmakers, it's about that time to welcome Lynn Fernando Mulvihill into the conversation. Lynn is a performance-driven marketing machine with almost 20 years experience inside of blue chip brands, including Disney, Nestle, Visa, and Oracle. Not bad company to be in. Throughout her tenure, Lynn has proven herself as a change maker, a mentor, and an entrepreneurial thought partner. She pursued her executive MBA at the University of Michigan, Go Blue, and is proud founder of Ross EMBA Ventures. Her lasting goal is to leave a legacy by providing underrepresented groups across the globe with financial freedom, access, and opportunities. I hope that you are as fired up for the conversation with Lynn as I am. And as a reminder, many of the key takeaways from today's show can be found in the show notes on playmakerspod.com. With that, let's welcome Lynn into the Playmakers Podcast. Lynn, welcome to Playmakers. How are we doing? Good. So excited for this. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm fired up to have you on, as is every single Playmaker. And I, you know, part of this, Lynn, and even though you and I know each other and we're fellow Go Bluers, right? Go so Blue. executive MBA, Michigan Ross, we, we just annoyed half the audience and we also pulled the other half in even further. So we're okay with that. Um, so we're going to get super deep into a, not only our connection, the, uh, the relationship with the university, all the cool things you've been doing around that. But as I look at your LinkedIn profile, and this is something that you're very proud of, and you know, I, I see there's a little digital footprint of some quotes that resonate with me as well as with all playmakers. So I'm going to toss one at you to kick us off to get your thoughts on it. So the quote is from Bob Proctor. If you don't get the chills when you set your goals, you're not setting big enough goals. So my question for you is, if it's about goals, What's giving you the chills right now? 
Right now, gosh, there's a lot. I mean, I think like my whole purpose in life is to do things that just move the needle and honestly just create a legacy and help people to reach their goals. I mean, for me, I've always thrived on being able to um, to be able to like help people in their dreams and to be able to be a great leader and a motivator. But I also know that in many situations, you know, you're going into territory, you're going into a, a sports arena in many ways without a playbook yeah. and not knowing how to navigate like the the waters and not knowing how to like necessarily do what you need to do. And I've been put in situations over the last several years where I was like, oh my gosh, where do I even start? Where do I even go? But it's in learning those mm -hmm. situations and overcoming a lot of those challenges that this quote resonates with me so much because I always think like life begins at the end of your comfort zone. And obviously you Ooh. and I, we went into, you know, potentially like the best executive MBA program that exists out <laughs> Unquestionably. there. Unquestionably. I mean, that's not even a conversation, but continue. Yeah. But like, you know, we did we really need to, you know, 15 years in the professional world, if not more, you know, successful executives doing big things in many ways. And I honestly was not happy. I was not content. I felt like there was so much more that I could do. And I never want to be in a place where I'm just coasting or complacent or mm -hmm. doing what I need to do and just call it, kind of calling it a day. So I've always wanted to do things that move the needle, push me and, you know, honestly gets me a little scared every time I wake up. So totally. No. And that resonates so much. So let me ask you this. At this point in our collective journeys, we're tapping into this conversation. We're hearing about your breakthrough beyond the comfort zone. So if somebody listening in to bring all our playmakers in, we're all faced with this fork in the road. To the left is comfort. To the right is risk, potential for failure, greater potential for failure because of that risk. And so if you could provide maybe one tactical piece of what do you do when you're at that fork in the road? Is it always bursting through beyond that comfort zone? Does context matter? Like walk us through your thought process, decision-making process in a way that it applies to everybody listening in. Yeah, gosh, I mean, there's probably so many tactics that I can think of. And I've been very fortunate, honestly, to have a lot of amazing mentors, executive coaches, Sue Ann being one of them. And honestly, it's it's knowing within yourself what you're capable of and also knowing that what's the worst that can happen and just going for it and taking the leap. You know, I think that a lot of times people are scared and there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of just you know, lack of confidence that people probably mm -hmm. tend to encounter in their careers. And they're like, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to change careers. I'm not going to pivot. I've, I've already got everything that I've always wanted or attained. And I came into that crossroads, that fork in the road about, you know, five years ago. I was a mom of two kids. I have an amazing life. And there was something that woke me up every morning where I was like, gosh, what else? There was like a hunger, like a, a little fire in my belly where I was like, yeah. there's something else that I should be doing. There's something more that I know I could honestly contribute to my community and to the society. And with that, like, I honestly think like, 
It was in talking to, you know, mentors and coaches, which I honestly suggest that for anyone who is coming into a point in their career, get a coach, get a mentor, make sure you surround people who are, surround yourself with people who are coaching you, cheerleading you, telling you to go for it because you're going to have those doubts. You're going to have those like days where you're not confident. You're going to have those days where you're like, I'm good. Like I'm coming at the end of my nine to five and you know, what more should I be doing? I'm good. And I honestly think by, by surrounding yourself with people who have succeeded, who have leveled up, who have gone and done amazing things, you're going to have that hunger and that excitement and want to take Mm -hmm. those risks day in and day out. And I'm fortunate that I had those mentors several years ago. And then again, pursuing an executive MBA, going to, you know, one of the greatest universities, surrounding yourself with like high achievers, you're like, oh my gosh, like look at all these amazing people attaining success and doing a lot of amazing things. And it'll give you that confidence and that like security and almost, almost like that, like, safety net to be like, you know what, let's do it. Let's take that risk. Oh, that, that resonates a ton. And you mentioned Sue Ann earlier that both of our executive coach at, in the Michigan program. And so if I could recap here, what I heard, there's a few golden nuggets. That, I mean, we're so early in the conversation and you're already dropping fire here, but it was a don't go at it alone, whether it's a mentor, a coach, it takes a village, even if it's a two person village, but to get out of, as we call it, those self-limiting beliefs, to have that boost of confidence, because sometimes you don't get out of the right side of bed. And so sometimes you need that other person to say, I believe in you and you got this, even if you're an ultra confident person. So don't go at it alone. The other thing was, I love the analogy of best case, worst case. And so the best case is follow your dream, follow your passion, follow your purpose. And it sounds like a bumper sticker if it's nothing more than a platitude. But the opposite is, what's the worst case scenario if you went for it and it didn't work? And if you can survive that, you're basically saying best case is my life takes off. Worst case is I'll be all right. When you put it like that, it makes it much easier to take that leap. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And honestly, time is our most valuable resource, right? So it's all about making sure you're maximizing your time. I mean, we were already very busy professionals and executives and it was like, oh, let's add on, you know, more on top of that. And then when yeah, you- whatever they tell you in orientation, it's like two X that they tell you, oh, it's an extra 20 hours. I'm like, mm, yeah, <laughs> not not really. And in your case, family, mom of two and, and just, you know, the Disney career, all that, which we're going to get into. So talk to us more about maximizing your time. Yeah, honestly, I am a big believer that um, time is your most valuable resource and you have to be able to think about what do you want to accomplish? How do you want to curate the time to be able to fill all the different cups that you have in your life? And like multifaceted people, professionals, they have families, they have lives, they have mm-hmm. careers, they have their hobbies and their interests. And it's not, you're not going to have it all. It's not going to be balanced. It's all about making sure with the time that you have that you're filling each of those facets, each of those cups in the way that like fills you and energizes you and gets you excited. Mm. Honestly, there's days where I'm like, gosh, I really miss, you know, exercising or traveling. 
and I've just been working so hard. And you, you, you use that time, you prioritize and you balance it. And I feel like, you know, when you become busy and you, you know, you're high performing and you, you know, want to do more, you become a, like the ultimate time manager because you figure out yeah. the ways to do it all. And I have a few things that I've learned over the last couple of years of like, how do you, you know, how do you maximize that time and how do you, honestly figure out ways to um, do it all, to be honest. Yeah, well, there's a perspective and I appreciate your candor there. There is a kind of do it all mentality, but I also will admit that I personally have grown with my relationship with time because one of the facets I always come back to is time is the currency of leadership. Time is the currency of relationship. Show me where you spend your time and I will tell you what's important to you. And then people kind of step back and they have these big deer eyes. And it's because not everybody has great awareness of where they're spending their time. So sometimes it's the awareness of where am I spending my time? And I'd really come back to a concept of trade-offs because time is finite. There's not countless minutes, seconds, hours in a day. And so are you making intentional choices of where you invest your time? Is it family? Is it friends? Is it hobbies? Is it side hustles? Is it your professional career? Is it fitness, health, health, et cetera? All these things. And, you know, I think something for all playmakers out there, I'll admit, I used to try to get an A plus in every area of life. And I realized that that mentality probably hurt me because it's just not realistic because of the finite time. So then it's the intentional thing. If there's, as you call them, cups of life, I love the analogy of, let's say we have six cups, you know, which three are most important to you now? And can you really lean in to that? So, you know, going back here and you mentioned Lynn about not going at it alone. And we talked about an executive coach, but even pulling in maybe a, a mentor or a leader. If I was to ask you greatest mentor, greatest leader that you have had in your life, what's a story and an example that really sticks out that they have molded who you've become today? Gosh, I mean, there's countless leaders and mentors, but the one that I honestly go back to all the time because he is someone that I feel um, exemplifies just that like relationship, empathetic and like very individual like leader is um, a man named Jimmy Pataro. He's actually uh, the head of ESPN and you know wow. he is very, very well regarded, respected, loved in the industry of sports and um, even at Disney. but I was able to work with him very early on in my career at Disney. I saw how he worked. His biggest um, quote and his mantra was work hard and be nice to people. And at the end of the work day, work hard and, and be, be nice, nice to, to people. people. Yeah. Love that. So Jimmy was like the ultimate like people person. He you would never know like that he was like the big guy on campus or like the head of, you know, mm -hmm. Disney Interactive at the time and ESPN now because he just remembered your name. He remembered details about you. And I remember when I had my first child, I, you know, named him Jalen after Jalen Rose. And ah, I love <laughs> he literally was like, hey, you know, I'd love to know where you came up with that. He, he knew the story. He remembers like, the details around that and why I had that connection with Michigan. And honestly, two weeks ago, 
he sent a link to a podcast around the origins of Jalen and Jalen Rose. And like, it's been wow. more than seven years. <laughs> like I literally, I literally don't work with him day to day. I honestly, you know, come in passing with him. We talk, but it's, you know, again, but he remembers the details. He knows you on an individual level. He, he thinks about things that I'm like, gosh, like this guy is so busy. He's dealing with a lot. I was an executive on his team many years ago. And I think about leadership in that regard and how he treats people. And I always want to treat people at all levels like that, whether you're an executive, whether you're an assistant, entry-level manager, all of that. And always be intentional, always be aware, and always pay attention to the things that matter. And obviously family being a very important thing that um, is part of my value system and I'm sure a lot of his executives and he remembers details like that He remembers my husband's name. He remembers yeah. my Michigan connection And I do think that that is a very unique quality in leadership um, Is making sure to you know get on people's level and understand and remember those details Well, the beauty is so I asked you a question about greatest leader you've ever had now for everybody listening in think of the greatest leader that you have ever had. Maybe, like Lynn, it's somebody in your professional sphere. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a coach. Maybe it's a mentor, a leader, personal, professional, any walk of life. And then think about what did they do? Actions, behaviors, the way they showed up every day, their energy level, how they treated you, like Jimmy in this case. And ask yourself, in Jimmy's case with Lynn, Jimmy happens to be an executive. He's a positional leader. My perspective, and as a playmaker, we understand leadership starts with self. Can you do the same things that Jimmy did, regardless of what hat you wear in life? You don't need a title to lead yourself. And so, Lynn, I love where you're bringing us because remembering those details, doing those small personal things, everybody listening in can activate that tomorrow. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you don't have to be at a certain position or an executive leadership is from within. And and those details and those actions and those behaviors are important. And whether you're a peer, a colleague, or a direct report, or a friend, leadership begins with those traits and those attributes. As we take a short break from today's interview, I'd like to share a quick Reminder to check out the episode show notes on playmakerspod.com, where you will find a treasure trove of key insights, thought starters, and additional resources from today's conversation. Also, a quick shout out to our show sponsor, Audible, who is offering each and every playmaker a free audiobook and a 30 day free trial when you visit audible.playmakerspod.com. Com. With that, let's get back to the conversation. It's time to level up. So, Lynn, I've got a question for you. We talked about a leader in your life. I'm going to trace this back to one of the first things you shared in our conversation today. You, whether intentional or not, you essentially shared some tidbits about your purpose. And you said, I help people achieve their dreams. So if I was to ask you, now we're going to pay it forward. Jimmy clearly paid it forward to you. Now let's see, Lynn, 
Talk to us about an example of where you have helped somebody achieve a dream of theirs. Oh, that's a great question. I mean, I honestly have been very fortunate to be a leader of many, you know, many different people, very tenured, you know, employees who were, you know, well into their career and entry level, you know, just out of college. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just recently, actually, I was interviewing um, a position and um, it was an entry level coordinator role. And it was someone who I just ha- I just saw like a spark in them. I saw like a, a little bit of me actually in them, their ambition, mm-hmm. their drive. And I almost was like, I regardless of whether or not my hiring manager wants to hire this person, I want to keep her under my wing. And we had a very unique interview because I had encountered her many times before. She had worked in an adjacent team of mine. And I was very honest and transparent with her. And I said to her, you know, I was like, you're way too qualified for this role. You are too smart. I see your ambition. What I need for this role is not what you, I think, will be interested in within a year. And I said, honestly, this is going to be too direct and too transparent. I said, I could hire you, but I know you're going to be itchy for something else in a year because it's not... It, you want more, I could tell, and you're too smart and you're too ambitious. And again, we've known each other, you know, several months. I've talked to her. And again, she, I was like, take some self-reflection. Know what you're capable of. Know what you're interested in. Mm-hmm. And if you get rejected from this role, know that it wasn't because of your skills or because of your, you know, um, experience. Know that it's probably because there's something bigger and better for you. Mm-hmm. And I said, but if you want to continue down this process, and as you should, that's totally fine. And she was like, wow, I've never had an interview in this situation where like, clearly I have everything on paper and you, you know, think I would be a good fit for your team. But I've never thought that like in this potential, potential situation that I would probably need to like reflect to see if this is something I want. Cut to the chase, long story short, she writes me an email a day later and she's like you made me reflect on my goals what i want Mm -hmm. in life and where i'm willing to go and what i want to do and what i'm capable of and there should be more people like you who are just honest transparent and just you know cut to the chase because if i would have dropped what i did she would she would have to move across the country she would have had to pass up a lot of other potential amazing offers she probably, I was probably going to be right. She would have probably been like, oh gosh, yeah. like I need something else. You know, I'm not happy or whatever. And I think that, you know, I want to make sure people fall in the right place for the right things, for the right reasons, and not mm-hmm. just take whatever opportunities are out there because life is too short. And I do think that things happen for a reason, whether it's rejection from a job or being passed over for a promotion because there are bigger and better things that sometimes you just don't know are right in front of you, but eventually it'll lead you into the right direction. Such a cool story and kudos to you being such what I'll call a brave leader because your authenticity really shined in that example. And here's what I love, especially Lynn, I asked you to give an example of when you've helped somebody achieve their dreams. 
So in most cases, if I was to ask that to a thousand people, you would think that the end of the story is that they climbed Mount Everest of whatever that means to them. In your case, the dream might have been, this isn't your dream, but maybe there's a bigger dream out there. And I just want to be candid with you to propel you to the dream that you were meant to go get. So I think that's a very cool way to think about it. If I'm listening in right now, because I'm, I'm putting it in perspective, it's equally as important to know not only what you want to do, but what you don't want to do and be honest with yourself. And don't, in your case, don't chase the brand because 99.9% of people, when they hear a brand like Disney, they're going to chase that. They're going to chase it, right? And so I I, I think it's very cool. Let me ask you this, Lynn. You have been a part of, we've talked about Disney. You mentioned ESPN, which again, all the the family relationship of ESPN and ABC and Disney and a, a lot of ownership ties. Nestle, Universal, Oracle, Visa, not bad brands, my friend. You have blue chipped your way through a career, but yet now for anybody that's tapping into your LinkedIn profile, they're seeing uh, something called REV, which I want to talk to you about. It's a part of the Michigan Ross program. Uh, It stands for Ross Executive MBA Venture. So essentially it's a venture group. It's entrepreneurial. You've largely been in the big corporate box. So what is this attraction with the entrepreneurial space? So this is a little bit of the crossroads that I mentioned earlier. <laughs> you know, I've had a very, you know, I, I, successful career in the blue chip world. I've been very fortunate to land a lot of great marketing roles, advertising roles um, across these big brands. And again, I started to get that itch and that hunger a few years ago where I was like, okay, did it. Like, I can do it. I'm, I've obviously proven to myself that I can be successful in certain Mm -hmm. roles and you know I'm still learning and I think there's always been this curiosity in me of like wow what is it like to honestly like build and create something and build something Mm -hmm. that there is no playbook to that there are no Mm -hmm. rules of engagement I think when you work with a big company like Disney there there is countless processes countless you know people and functions and in some ways, it's easy, right? Because I have yeah. a lot of resources. I have budgets that are like crazy. And a part of me was like, gosh, I want to be on the other side of it where I need to be mm. hungry, where I need to like fight for resources and fight for you know, anyone to like answer a cold call. And that's why I went and got my executive MBA because I was like, I don't think I could just make that pivot. <laughs> like you can't, just, you can't just start a company without having any skills to like form companies or the finance backgrounds, M&A, strategy. I mean, yes, it was built into like my day to day in many ways, but that was the impetus for me going back and getting my executive MBA. And then while I was there, I met a lot of people who were at a similar crossroads, wanting to change their careers, wanting to pivot. And I honestly had this light bulb moment where I was like, gosh, you know, For this point in our lives, is there a platform? Is there a community? Is there a network that supports people like me where we're like 15 years in our career and shoot, like there's not like a checklist of things to like do this, do this, this is how you do this. And so my partner and I 
were like, he's a serial entrepreneur. He's not ever worked in the corporate world. And here I am on the corporate end of things where I'm like, legal, HR, finance, like I've got the playbook on how to launch and bring products to market, but I don't know how to do that on the startup space. And so we joined forces to create this organization. It's a C Corp, but it's also a nonprofit organization that offers entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs a platform for support to cultivate the most promising entrepreneurs, investors, and just change makers, people who are like, you know what, I want to be on a board or an advisor and offer up my expertise and my skills. They don't have to quit their day job, but they want to help and they want to be part of an early stage startup or they want to help, you know, bring a product to life or go to market. And so we're two years in the making. Obviously, the pandemic kind of put a halt to a lot of the different goals that we've had, but we're excited to come out of this pandemic to honestly foster and help cultivate a lot of the ideas that people I'm sure have in their minds and want to bring into action. And I think that's really the mission of what Rev is. Uh, That's beautiful. So we're going to come back to Rev in a hot second. But first, I got to double click on this. You broke down a scenario where you're living a good life, you're in the corporate, you're climbing the ladder, as they say. And then you said a word that just jumped off the page for me. You talked about hunger. And you said, for me to be hungry, I had to a, pursue this educational kind of bridge in, in order to open my mind. So for everybody listening in, if the mission is to cultivate a mindset of hunger and just be scrappy, what are some things that we can all do to cultivate that mindset? Gosh, good question. I mean, honestly, position yourself as a lifelong learner. There are so mm-hmm. many tools and resources and things now at our disposal and I'm always making sure whether it's like my own team or myself to like always be curious like right now I'm like oh my gosh all this cryptocurrency talk in the you know news I'm like what is cryptocurrency like I'm now like down this path of like learning about blockchain and crypto and I think when you're hungry and you're always curious and when you're like a lifelong learner it will lead you down paths that you never thought existed. And this goes back to just how I was probably raised, where it's like, you know what? Like, life is short. Like, pursue those curiosities. If it excites you, if it interests you, like, why not? Like, try it and do it. And I do think that, like, you know, for many people who probably spend countless hours on the weekend, like I used to watching Netflix, it's like, hey, you know, there are probably things that you've always been curious about and wanting to know. And I think that that's probably a tactical thing is like, do it, find the time and figure out like, what are those things that you're passionate about and excite you? So in your case, I I think that's phenomenal. And for those playmakers listening in that checked out the episode with Aaron Hurst, author of The Purpose Economy, we talked about how a curiosity can spark a passion, can spark purpose. So rather than think of the end game, which is finding your purpose and living with purpose, that sounds very North Star-ish for some folks. So start with that core building block of curiosity and then discover some passions of those curiosities and you may find some tidbits about purpose. But with you, I, I love where you're going with this and you've attacked so many cool 
business uh, angles and corporate angles and now entrepreneurial angles. What's one thing that you're chasing outside of business? So outside of business, I truly, you know, I'm looking to leave my legacy just in society, honestly. Like I was raised by an immigrant single mom who was a hustler. Like she had so much grit and I'm like, oh my gosh, like she's had like multiple careers and she raised me. And I think about just, you know, the legacy that I want to leave. And I think about her and I'm like, she's been a teacher. She's been a mother. She's been a community servant. She's been a nurse and helped like literally save lives. And I'm like, I want to have a legacy that goes beyond like, oh, she was an amazing Disney marketer. Like, you know, I want to have that to like think about. And honestly, you know, what I want to do outside of business is really leave an impact by providing underrepresented minorities, uh, whether it's in our own community or in developing countries, access and not only access to like jobs, but just access to mentors and access to a network. Because I think about my mom and she, you know, was very resourceful. She was a hustler. She knew people. She was able to like get into roles and get into jobs that if she didn't have that hustle, she would have probably just been in the Philippines, you know, living life. But, mm-hmm. you know, in a, an economic status that, you know, was less than desirable. And I think about like the tools and the experience and the network that I have. And I'm like, I want to be able to do that for underrepresented groups, women of color, as well as even thinking about globally helping people in emerging and developing countries like the Philippines. And I do think we're in this unique global economy now. And I'm like, how do I merge what I know from Disney and do that and, and truly create like a social enterprise so I know it's not answering the question of like outside of business, but I am a businesswoman and I want to make sure I can bring that to life in helping the community in a more impactful way. Sure. Well, I know you said it's not outside of business, but I kind of think of it as it's holistic. And when you're living through the lens of purpose, impact, legacy, things start to blend a lot, right? Like you ask me about the legacy I want to leave. And I'm going to have to share a lot of the impact that I'm professionally creating every day because I no longer have a job. I am no longer in a career. I have a calling. And I discovered that calling after finding my why. And and a lot of listeners kind of know the backstory there. But I kind of think of how do I want to be remembered? If I ask you, Lynn, because we're going to talk legacy and drill in a little bit. You ask me about my legacy and I'm thinking about two settings. A, my retirement party. B, the celebration of my life. How do I want to be remembered in those settings? So if I was to ask you, whether it's at the retirement party, whether it's at the celebration of your life, as we reflect back, how do you want to be remembered? And also, what are you doing today in order to live up to that? Yeah, I mean, great questions. It gives me chills, kind of like that quote that you mentioned, right? Because I do think um, a lot of it is I want to be remembered by the fact that I was always helpful and that I always wanted to get people to where they needed to be and to connect Mm -hmm. them with the right opportunities, the right network, provide them with jobs, provide them with capital to help them raise funds for their startups. I mean, there's so many facets of it. I am, you know, the person who will take every call 
or every meeting from a person on LinkedIn and it's ridiculous, but I, I will do it. And I want to be curious about what people are looking for and potentially connect them to people. I want to, you know, with Rev, create a fund that will hopefully invest in other people's startup ideas and then just, yes. you know, personally always be curious about what people's, you know, lives are and what their goals are and hopefully connect them and again, be helpful. So that's how I want to be remembered by. No, it's lovely. I, no, it's so beautiful. So, all right. Now you got my mind running a million miles an hour here. All right. So we think about pursuing things like purpose, impact, legacy. The upside is literally you'll love every day of your life. I, I'm living like I, I am a case study of that because I know what it was like before that. And now I know what it's like after. And I'm fighting like hell to make sure I can hold on to these things called purpose, impact and legacy and being true to it. It took me a while to get there. Thank goodness we did. But for you, I really want because, again, if I'm listening into this, I'm like, all right, this sounds even what I just said. It sounds utopian. It sounds out of reach. It's not, it doesn't sound accessible. And I think that's a fair statement. So where I bring it back to is, oh, but I had to go through some pain to get here. Like, man, I failed and I fell and I got the gut punch. So if we reflect back on your journey, whether you share personal or professional, what are those biggest moments of failure, those missteps, those hard left turns where you really had to fight and persevere to tell the story that you're sharing today? I mean, I've honestly had a lot of those um, in the last several years to the point where I was like, I don't know if I could do it anymore. I don't know if I have the courage. I don't know if I have the energy. Like, what am I even doing this for? Um, you know, whether it's in my career where I've had a lot of those speed bumps, you know, at Disney, we've gone through a lot, restructurings, reorganizations, massive layoffs, you know, and as a leader in this, you know, environment, you know, Part of it is like, how do you stay motivated? How do you keep people inspired? How do you maintain mm -hmm. an armor and show courage in light of a situation where you yourself are like, I don't know like what the future yeah. holds. I mean, the last year is proof enough of like, gosh, the biggest enterprises and companies can be taken down and there is a comeback. But you know, with the biggest leaders and most courageous leaders who are daring enough to like, you know, be vulnerable and be empathetic is probably where you will come out of it. I mean, I've had situations where, you know, I've had people to like lay off and I've had to like know that they were single, you know, income earners and it was like a mm -hmm. very tough situation. Um, I've had to deal with people who, had a lot of, you know, health and mental issues. And it was like, how do you help people where you yourself, you know, don't have all of the skills or the tools to be able to like guide them through and coach them through these tough times. So, I mean, I think in many ways it's knowing what your individual like strengths are, but also being, you know, in a way vulnerable and just saying like, look, we're doing this together. We're going to help each other. And know, yeah. and honestly know, like, that you can be daring, that you can have a little bit of the courage, but I think in showing, like, vulnerability and knowing that you don't know all the answers is probably the best way to overcome a lot of these, like, situations and overcome a lot of these challenges. 
Yeah. So if that's, those are great examples of in a professional setting, especially in a formal leadership role. And I, I like you have had to have many of those. Uh, I mean, they're almost impossible conversations. There, there is no playbook for how you deal with some of those challenges. And I also know if I reflect on my personal life, like again, a lot of listeners know this, probably the biggest, most molding memory of my life and biggest event of my life was losing my dad when I was 19 and as an only child. And, you know, my mom goes from parent to partner in an instant, you know, and, and it's just something that has molded me. Is, is there an example from your life uh, that has molded you in a, in a way where you say, you know, personally, I have gone through something and again, coming back to it, I don't know if I am who I am or where I am without this moment in time on a personal level. Yeah, I mean, that's a tough one. I think, you know, for me, adversity does change people and it makes you become stronger. It makes you, you know, have that thick skin. And I do think it goes back to my childhood. Your childhood, in a way, even going into early adulthood, impacts you tremendously in the decisions you make. And as I mentioned, my single mom immigrant she was a hustler she you know yeah. was a teacher and like honestly there were days where it was like gosh like how um how are we doing this how are we keeping like a roof over our heads paying like rent sometimes like being like why am i even going because i was able to like get scholarships to go to one of the best like private prep schools and like be able to go, you know, to the University of Michigan. And I'm like, I know she doesn't make money. Like, I know we're not able <laughs> to afford this. And like, I never knew behind the scenes, like, oh my gosh, like she is just doing what she needs to do to make it happen, to be honest. Like, I, and I think that learning that work ethic has always created like this hustle, as I mentioned, those financial hardships that you face when you're a child and even like going into your early adulthood make you that much stronger, make you like yeah. that much more motivated to just overcome whatever obstacles. And going into college, I was like, I would see people that I'm like, oh gosh, like, I hope I can make my, you know, tuition payment. I hope I can make like my, get like, you know, my food, like vouchers or whatever, because it was to that point where I was like, where, where the hell are we getting this money to be able to like go to Michigan and to be able to like travel and like do the things that I was able to do. And I was never, I was never felt, I never felt like I was lacking, but I always felt like, gee, you know, this is where I need to work hard and do whatever it takes to, mm. you know, in many ways pay my mom back for all of her hustle and her hard work. Yeah. So I, I think there's a few gems in there. And one is that for everybody listening in, and I think the year we're coming off, frankly, is probably one of the hardest times that many of us have ever been through, or at least one of those hard times. So how can we use it to our advantage? You know, not, not, it's, it's so easy to just put your hand up and whether we play the victim card or whatever it is, and this happened to me, like, no, what's happening for me? Like kind of flip that on its head, like you, you and your family and your mom. I mean, just, she, she sounds amazing, by the way, on a side note, she just sounds epic. So, um, you know, hard times to our advantage. And the other thing is sometimes you need to step above yourself, meaning like, here's a good example. Like I referenced my dad earlier, 
uh, I share with groups all the time now because 2020 was so challenging. One of the action items from every time I speak to a group, I say, dedicate 2021 to someone special. Dedicate 2021 to someone special because 2020 sucked. It was hard. It's easy to be down on yourself. It's easy. Many of us have, have had things stripped away and we're still recovering. So I will let myself down. This is me talking. I will let myself down before I ever let my dad down. And so I dedicate this year to him because those days I don't want to go on that jog, those days I don't want to get out of bed, those days that I feel you know sad about something, it's like, you know what? My dad is looking down on me and I'm going to do it for him because I will never let him down. So for everybody listening in, dedicate 2021 to someone special, whether they are still with you or in their memory. And that would be something that I just wanted to pass forward. All right. So as we come down the home stretch, a couple of uh, just quick personal uh, tidbits. I will have a little bit of fun here. All right. So Lynn, you ready for this? I I'm a genie, all right? I'm a genie. I'm going to give you three wishes here. And you are going to be on a deserted island. And you get three wishes from this genie. You can wish for anything with two exceptions. A wish cannot be to get off the island. And another, you cannot wish for anything that does get you off the island. So I'm not giving you a boat. Sorry. All right? You get three wishes. What would you wish for and why? And I'm on a deserted island. Yeah. <laughs> what would I wish for and why? Oh, gosh. Good. This is a good one. Um, can one of the wishes be 10 more wishes? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, yeah, but as long as you're not getting a boat or off the island, then sure. But we're going to keep it at three for sake of the podcast. All right. Well, uh, really good question. One of the wishes I would have is to be able to have a lifeline or some kind of communication tool to some yeah. of my close friends and loved ones and family. Um, mm -hmm. If I had to stay on that island, I wouldn't want to be in solitude. I'd want to be able to like easily and quickly, you know, call someone, get a lifeline, be able to like have that communication and that source. Communication is so key. And, and honestly, you know, with the last year, like, thank goodness for technology. So um, that would be my oh, yes. one. Um, second one, I mean, gosh, if we're going to keep it light, I would just want like unlimited funds to like some kind of like Postmates or like some kind of like <laughs> DoorDash so I could get any of the kinds of foods and cuisines that I would ever want because I don't know, like, is there food on this I island? I get it. I get it. By the way, what's your favorite food? It's a side question. What favorite food? Um, right now it is, uh, Mediterranean food, like all kinds of Mediterranean food, Lebanese, like Israeli, all of that kind of food. Okay. All right. So assume at least in the present tense, you get unlimited Mediterranean food and beyond. What would the third wish be? Gosh, um, third wish would be, I mean, can I have a helicopter to come off the island and come back to it when I want? I said you couldn't have a boat and there you go with a helicopter. Come on. Well, you never know if the boat is something I have to like paddle. So I'd want the helicopter. There you go. There's my All three. Right. <laughs> cool. So three wishes. Um, cup of coffee with any one person. Who would you want to have that cup with? And what's one thing you would want to take away from the conversation? Oh gosh, Princess Diana. 
So as a young kid, I obviously was always just so enamored by her, her grace, her style, her, just her heart. And I think that like, obviously she died way too young, but I do know that like, I think what her intention was and what her, you know, her hope was and her legacy was in many ways similar to mine, where she wanted to provide to less fortunate, you know, communities and society and, and do that through her philanthropy. Um, but yeah, I think I would, I would have so many questions for her. So gosh, Princess Diana, that would be a fun one. Love it. All right. Grand finale. And you, you shared some tidbits earlier, but I'm going to just give you a blank canvas here. So wave a wand, assume all of your financial responsibilities are taken care of. Family taken care of. No stress, no worries. The rest of your life is a blank page. What would you like to spend the rest of your life working toward? Wow. I mean, for me, I think it's philanthropy. I mean, I think having that social impact is honestly where if I never had to get a paycheck because everything else was taken care of, it would be giving back to the community. I was very fortunate, again, like I said in my early childhood, to have a lot of scholarships and a lot of people who helped. And mm -hmm. I do think that that is where I would want to pay back, is to be able to help people less fortunate, provide them with an education, provide them with the means, and honestly provide them with the network so that they can also advance their own lives. So that's what I would you. Beautiful. Lynn, you're awesome. You are just special on so many levels. Know that you have leveled up each and every playmaker out there. And from the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for being on today. Thank you. It was an honor and appreciate the time. It's been amazing. Thank you so much. Loved what you just heard? Share it with another playmaker. And if you gain significant value from today's episode and genuinely feel that you have leveled up, would so appreciate if you gave us a five-star rating. For all of today's show notes, head over to playmakerspod.com where you can not only enjoy additional resources from this show, but all previous episodes as well. If you haven't already, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you tune in from. And on a personal note, I'd love to connect one-to-one. -one. Hit me up anytime on LinkedIn at Paul Epstein or Instagram at Paul Epstein Speaks. Playmakers is produced by Detroit Podcast Studios in collaboration with Purpose Labs. Wishing you a high impact week of action and purpose. See you next time on Playmakers. Playmakers.